Okay, okay. Here we go. Hello. All right, hey, so we're last Friday before Good Friday. Everyone ready to go to church? I, uh, you know, growing up in a different Christian denomination, and my first Holy Week was, uh, I mean, something really, I mean, life-changing for me, personally. I remember, well, Monday, Thursday, first of all, I think I might have mentioned this before, because we talked about, so my first Monday, Thursday service, I remember, Chuck Brown, (laughs) Psalm 22. And that, uh, I don't know, minor key, maybe, whatever it's called. Um, so I, I remember that. I'm like, oh, man, holy smokes. Because I thought it was just kind of like, hey, a night to remember when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. You know, Lord's Supper is important to Lutherans, so that makes sense. And then when we didn't have a benediction, and then the stripping of the altar, along with Psalm 22, I thought, oh, man. This is the real deal. You know, because it all made sense to me. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. This is what we should do. Because this is, you know, we're remembering Jesus. And then Good Friday, you know, when the lights were down. and That was good. Yes. Okay. Anyhow. And then the first Easter vigil service. We don't do this anymore, although, yeah, we probably won't, um, is uh, we start the service out in darkness, and then you turn the lights on. Yeah, right. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Yes, the, the, yes, the strepidus. Um. Yeah, you know, we used to close that book, slam that book down, and uh, I remember there was about two years in a row where one year it didn't quite do it right. You know, it's it's one of these. Uh, you, you gotta, I mean, you gotta be a professional. You gotta be a professional close book closer. <laughs> I remember this other one. I shouldn't be laughing, but where uh, <laughs> where he did it on. I, I think it used to be they used to put it on top of the organ and then just go like that. <laughs> One time it fell off the organ and it hit the ground too. So it was kind of a whack, boom, boom. <laughs> so now we bring, we kind of, for the bell, for whom the bell tolls, we bring, yeah. Which is a little more predictable but not as dramatic. Let's put it that way, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so next week, you know, Holy Week, you know, I encourage everybody to participate in Holy Week. It's a, uh, yeah, it takes effort, but it's, it, it, it's good. The other thing is, uh, on another note, women's retreat. Um, if you haven't signed up, please sign up. If you have any questions about staying overnight, I always recommend staying overnight. Should. Uh, you know, if you can't, that's okay. If you're uncomfortable staying overnight, or you know, you're, you know, you got some questions about it, you can talk to me afterwards. Also, the, um, uh, you know, 
We were thinking about, I, I'm thinking about moms with little babies. Sarah in here? Sarah's in here. I don't know if Sarah's staying overnight. Are you staying overnight? I don't think Well, so this is, this is what I'm thinking. Well, there's an idea. And so I'm thinking about, like, what if, what if we had, now, to a certain extent, it would require some of the women, obviously, to go upstairs earlier, maybe, than some of the other women. I, I don't know how... I like to go to bed about 10 o'clock at the men's retreat. I know there's several men who don't. So I don't know what happens in the <laughs> women's retreat. But, um, you know, what if we had like a... a like, well, I don't want to say... I, I don't want to put the kids in, in, you know, the same rooms because they might wake each other up. But what if you had baby monitors and you had rooms... So you had like two baby rooms and then like the communal room in the middle where the moms hung out and then you had the babies next door where if they woke up. Well, some had, yeah, suites or I don't think they have a three-room suite. Well, I mean, not at that hotel. Well, if they do, I don't know if we can afford it. Um, <laughs> but at least whether they're adjoining through the door or you can just walk out the hallway next door. I mean, either way, it's right there. And the baby monitor should work. So, you know, I just think about that idea. I think Gretchen has another idea, which actually probably is a better idea because, you know, she's a mom and knows more about that than me. Uh, but I just, you know, I don't want, yeah. Plus, plus, I would think you'd be kind of, I don't, maybe, maybe, again, I don't know what it is to be a woman. So, I think it would be more fun to hang out with women, right? As you, you know, like, because to a certain extent, I know it's great to be with your husband, you know, at night, and your husband can help you with the baby at night. But frankly, I mean, he just kind of puts up with it, right? It's not like he, you know, he kind of, he can empathize to a certain extent, right? I mean, I, I'm a big proponent of men getting up, helping up, so don't get me wrong, but... I think it'd be better to hang out with women who at least know what it's like to be a woman. I don't know. As you deal, as you, you know, care for your baby is what I'm saying. Okay. No, no, I'm just saying, you know, it's kind of more of a, an experience. A fun, it could be a fun experience. Okay. So, oh, yeah, Windsor Retreat. So sign up. Okay, there we go. So we concluded, hopefully, uh, uh, so we included the book, Seven Last Words. Uh... Just a basic question. Anything from this last week from the conclusion? You got questions, concerns? And also, any final thoughts? I, I, I put on the uh, final thoughts on the book, but actually, final thoughts on the, the whole last seven weeks through Lent and kind of spending time meditating and thinking about these words and images. Jan. Well, those of us who are going on the Luther trip with Pastor Bruzek. Yeah, right. Right. After reading this book by a Catholic, yeah. this had been the I, this had been the way the papacy thought. Right. In fifteen seventeen, we'd still all be Catholic. Yeah, you know, this is interesting. So, why do you say that? Well, because Luther's whole thing was Jesus Christ alone. Right. Extraneous things. 
But the whole thing revolves around the fact that Christ is our Savior, mm -hmm. solely and alone, and works are things that we do in Thanksgiving. And, and that was Luther's premise that he wanted to debate. And right. never got the chance to debate. Yeah. Because the papacy wouldn't... Yeah, there wasn't really much discussion going on. That's right. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting. So the fruits of the Reformation aren't only within Lutheranism or Anglicanism, but there's also fruits of the Reformation within Roman Catholicism, right? Because, yeah, the Council of Trent, and, you know, even though I disagree with some of the things on Council of Trent, there was a, a rejuvenation to, there were some good questions raised that needed to be debated. Yeah, you know, and, um, okay, good, interesting. What else? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, page seven. Yeah, so uh, so page seventy-four. Right. Yeah, right. So, yeah, um, the, uh, he also brings this up in, in the conclusion a little bit about when we confess our sins, we have these two things happening. The affliction, and then also the, uh, the forgiveness or the, the, the consolation. So, yeah, he, uh, so the question is, when you... Confess your sins, are you to forget them? Maybe, maybe not, right? So let's, yeah, let's, let's play it out. Let's play with this a little bit. Let's, you know, it's like putt, let's Play-Doh. Let's, let's, you know, work it in our hands and think about what's happening. Mary. Right, good job. Yes. Sure, that's that's a that's a great way to talk about it. And it can help you so if it's your sin, I think it can also help you to not commit the sin again. If you just forget it, I think it's easier right. to sin. But if it's something where you still have an emotional it's like I should have never done that and I feel bad about it, I've been forgiven, but maybe those feelings keep you from doing it again. Sure. Um yeah, so there's an objective side and a subjective side. 
objective meaning it's done, it's happened. Subjective side is how you how you actually feel about it and incorporate it into your life. So Beth, I, I think the way he worded it was uh, not the best. Well, it wouldn't be Lutheran. I mean, he, he didn't do it the Lutheran way. Let's put it that way. Um, however, I think that's what he's talking about. The other thing is when we... Um, this is a little bit related to just Good Friday in general. Uh, well, let me just ask a simple question. How do you feel, how do you feel on Good Friday? Sad. Meditative. Why are you sad, Krista? Because Jesus died. Okay. Does it, well, can I just ask you another question? Yeah. Right, is anyone sad for the reason why Jesus died? Well, because you killed him. That's basically why. Yeah, so, so this is something important for us to realize. Is that on, So this is kind of related to this question. If you feel sad on Good Friday, then you probably agree with what he wrote. Right? Well, this is another thing, too, but it doesn't matter, really, because your sins put them on the cross. So, you have sorrow for your past sins. I'm more choking on my little piece of humble pie. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, see, that, that, you're, that, so you're, you're a couple steps ahead of us, Bobby, is that, exactly, so, so this is one of the things where, that goes back to what Mary said, is that you have the subjective reality of, yes, we are forgiven, but boy, I have a tough time believing it. And because when I say that is when you believe it, then you, you live it. But when you are struggling to believe what God says about you, I mean, God says you're forgiven. Where are those who accuse you? There's no one here, Lord. John chapter 8. The woman caught in adultery. Well, neither do I contemn you. Go and sin no more. This one leaves the presence of Jesus n- n- not condemned, set free, and uh, in good standing before God. But I bet you she's going to have a little shame about the life that she's lived, right? She has to, she has to work that out. Well, yeah, or I would say believing, I mean, so this is, this is how, uh, in fact, I, I, got, I got several, actually, I think that, well, I, I just finished this book on, uh, it's a total nerd book, but it was fresh in my mind, so I quoted it. It's not necessarily the best place to quote, but um, on the back of the first page, Martin Chemnitz, Lutheran guy, late 16th century, he wrote something called this church order, which is kind of, hey, this is how we should handle ourselves. He was kind of the, the bishop of the area. Um, the bottom of the page. On this trustworthy basis, it may be clearly understood, understood what glorious, wonderful consolation we have in the absolution. You know, that is confession. Namely, I know where on this earth I can find and meet my dear Redeemer and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I know where to go. To, to find out what Jesus, to find, well, first of all, find Jesus. And then 
The other one is to know what he has about me, says about me. And that's in the middle, I, I bolded that. So that I need not remain in doubt about what God in heaven above thinks and has considered about me. So the idea is, is that, yeah, I mean, you, you, can, you can say it, I have to forgive myself too, but that's only based on believing God's forgiveness of you. And so, I mean, that's kind of the struggle of the conclusion, right? He says, hey, uh, you got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, where do you work that out? In the sacraments. Um, this, uh, another guy, Johann Gerhard from the early 17th century, it's at the very end of uh, the, on the third page, where he wrote this consolation, uh, uh, this booklet on uh, the Consolation of the Sorrowful, um, which is a great little book. And it, the question is, the doubting of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So another way you could say it is, doubting whether you're a Christian, or doubting whether you believe, or doubting that God actually says this about you. And he says, well, you can know and trust that this is what God thinks of you. By going to baptism, confession, and the Lord's Supper. These three things will show you who you are and what God says about you. Now, Bobby, we have this problem that sometimes, yeah, okay, okay, God, yeah, I know that's what you say about me, but I really know myself, right? And, and then there's a struggle. It's Mark chapter 9, the Father, I believe, help my unbelief. How does God help you on unbelief? By going to these places where God promises to be for you. So there's, where are the places that God is for you? Baptism, confession, and the Lord's Supper. So that's why when we walk in, touch the water, remember your baptism, because you're remembering what God has said of you and done for you. You go to confession to hear what God says about you. And you go to the Lord's Supper so that you receive it's a really nice quote in here, too. You are to be certain that the benefits of our Christ pertain to you in particular. Jesus' salvation it, for you is not primarily about the world, but primarily about you. Without acknowledging the reason why Jesus died, you're feeling bad. It's a very sentimental feeling, it's not a genuine feeling or a, a contrite feeling. Um, yeah, it's, it's normal to feel bad on Good Friday because we killed Jesus. So, yeah, so Jesus dies. So, so Good Friday, is some, this is something that we can't shy away from. In, in fact, I, I think I have it in here. They, uh, I just heard within this last week someone saying, that, you know, they, didn't, they, they still have a tough time with Jesus on the cross and the, you know, in the nave, in the church. And, uh, you know, and they actually said, my Jesus came. Okay. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 make a big deal about preaching Christ crucified. And that's, you know, that's it. That's the thing. So, um, so we're always going to have this kind of tension between it's not until heaven where that sin is you know, finally 
it no longer clings to us. The old Adam is dead, dead. Not sort of dead. Because, what's it, Mad Matt? No, not. It isn't just that I've been forgiven the past No matter what happens in the future, I, I'm a, my sins are already forgiven. No matter what I'm going to do my whole life. Right. They're forgiven. Right. And I guess I'm somewhat sad that I know I'm going to be sinning, and the suffering is also taking care of all those. Right, so there's hope shall be wiped out from the pages of the Book of Life, which is probably a little too much in terms. But you get the idea is that Good Friday, though, this is a, uh, this is a tumultuous day. It's offensive, it's afflicting, but at the same time it shows us our Savior. So, um, fears and trials that oppress us in the struggle with death. It's a nice, really comforting title of a book. Uh, he's got this, it's in the preface, it's on page three. The beginning and end of Christianity can, consists of a contemplation of death. They obscure the cross and the role of the cross in our life. And so, I th- and I think this last week, those last seven weeks for me has been a, a, you know, kind of a reintroduction in my own life to realize that this is something that we should be doing every day, right? This is the typical Lutheran. Sounds a little morbid, right? Like, I mean, oh man, we're thinking about death all the time. But this death is different, right? This is a different kind of death. This is a life-giving death. And so, but it also defines our life. I mean, it's a life-giving and it's life-defining. And uh, it, Gerhard quotes Jerome in this long quote. As Jerome, I think I'm still going to keep on doing this even into Easter, to contemplate these things. Maybe in a different way, but... I can't remember why I was talking about this, so... So, anywho. Uh, Beth, there we go. Let's talk more about what you said. So, you got to... Let's talk a little bit more. How do you feel about all that? Turns to its vomit. I'm quoting Jesus. I don't know about you, but I like to quote Jesus. Well, that's the Gospel of Luke, but um, Jesus, yeah, Jesus talks about a dog returning to its vomit. Well, yeah. So this is the other thing too: is that so there, there is that struggle. That's right. So the idea is so there's a difference between asking for forgiveness for the same sin and committing the same sin and asking for forgiveness each time. All right, there's a, you got to make that distinction. Like, are you sure, God, that I'm forgiven? That's going to be like, well, you know, it's not bothering me. But if you go out and you, you know you're forgiven, you believe you're forgiven, and the next day you, you find yourself driving along coveting something you see on the street, you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> um, go in peace. I mean, if you, you, know, you really do, I'm assuming you do then you're done. You're good. You're good to go. I mean, but then, of course, you get in your car, you're driving home, and then ah, you do the same thing. That's two different sins. It's not the same sin. It's the same type of sin, but it's a different one. Yeah. And God will forgive you again. So, yeah, so there's always this tension going on in our life that 
and this is also kind of the irony of ironies, and this is kind of goes back to the beginning when we talked about oratio, mentatio, tentatio, is when we grow in our Christian faith, Luther says, don't expect Christ is winning the battle in you. I mean, the, the devil is going to keep, he's going to try harder to, to screw things up. And, uh, and so that's why, but again, when, we, when we're tempted by the devil, we go back to prayer, meditating, you know, we go back to Christ. We keep going back to Jesus. We go, keep going back to the foot of the cross. And that's where we live life. So that's, that's, that's the, uh, that's, for some of us, again, we, we think that we're going to be removed from those struggles. But in fact, what actually happens is God, or Jesus actually enters into those struggles with us. But there will be moments in our life where, you know, the divine veil is kind of lifted up and the glory, the, the, the heavenly reality shines in your life. I mean, that's happened in the Gospels, right? At Jesus' baptism, at his transfiguration, and of course in the resurrection. So there is moments where that happens. Will you have eyes to see, though, is the question. It's not as if it won't happen. It does happen. But of course, in the Transfiguration, what did, Jesus, what did God the Father tell the, the disciples? Not look at him, but listen. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, he didn't know what he didn't know what to say, right? Yeah, he didn't know he didn't know what to say. That's exactly right. That is that is that is the struggle, right? It's hard to listen. All right, Krista. Right, and, sure. Uh, um, I grew up um, that uh, the communion is so holy that you um, uh, should you take it not so easily. Right. You know, so, um, and I always thought, um, do I really, really um, uh, forgive somebody and uh, go to communion? Or mm-hmm. uh, do I am worthy to go to communion? Right. Right. So what do we need every day? We need communion every day. Uh, You're right, Chris. So this is a great thing, though, to understand, is that both of these things are true. Communion is is a holy thing. It is something that is to be, uh, you know, yeah, not taken lightly. But at the same time, Christ gives it precisely to be what? To, yeah, to, to be received, to be eaten and drank. So this is where, this is where the, there's this thing, is that when Christ says, take and eat, this is for you, take and drink for the forgiveness of sins, uh, he means it. He wants you to receive it and eat it and drink it. Um, 
But at the same time, it is the holy body and most precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we want to enter into that relationship in faith. This is, I mean, this is the, this is the defining, this is what the small catechism says, Marilyn, I might have to ask you again. But what makes one worthy to receive the Lord's Supper? Those who believe this word, these words, given and shed for you, for the forgiveness of sins. So, the the question isn't whether, uh, the the main question is, do you believe it? Yes, I mean, do 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 are you of the same word? Do you confess the same thing? Not whether, did you really, did you really believe it? Or, are you really, you know, worthy? Once you put the word really in there, you cast doubt, and you as Luther would say, you bind a conscience. Because who is the really re- referring to? Well, who? who? You! And the whole point of, of you know, small catechism is to throw it off of you and put it on to Jesus. So the word really is not, you really shouldn't have it in that. When you talk about going to communion, um, the one you say is say, I'm a sinner. Christ gives this for, for the forgiveness of sins. I, I need the forgiveness of sins. And so you go. Now, the thing is, though, when you do that, what do you do that? When you, when you acknowledge that, it's called confession. So back in the old days, you had to go to, conf- you have to go to, conf- I mean, still in a lot of Christian traditions, you've got to go to confession before going to communion. Well, do you go to confession before going to communion here in the Lutheran Church? Yes and no, right? Yes, of course we do. Every church service we acknowledge our sins and confess to Christ. This was part of the Lutheran Reformation, is that you go to private confession, not under obligation, but because you need it. And I think a lot of people need it and they're afraid to go. That's a different issue, rather than you better go or else, kind of kind of thing, under coercion. So, um, uh, because... Uh, I always forget his name. Cesario. He uh, has got this great quote on page 83. There is no replacement for the sacraments that Christ instituted for our salvation. In each of them, we meet Christ. Each sacrament affords... Well, Catholics, I would have edited it to a small c, of course, right? A moment of affliction in their sins, meaning confession of sins. I mean, we acknowledge this and creates a moment of, of consolation for the redemption. So th- even though he says this according to Rome, it's not just Roman, it's also any, any Catholic Christian who understands the, the presence of Christ in the sacraments. And then I give the quotes from this church order for about baptism, confession, and the Lord's Supper, where they all, he, uh, they all can, can confer that same thing uh, that he just said. So we, we go to the we you know so we go to these sacraments to you know to confess our sins, but also the main point is to find Christ for us. Hooper, hanging out with Mister Hooper, that's Jesus, Mister Hooper. So, and remember that old silly show, hanging out with hanging with Mister Cooper. Yeah, Sarah does. Okay, hanging out with Mister Hooper. It's uh. I'm trying to get our former vicar, Matt Wheatfeld, has a confirmation retreat that we're going to go to in April. 
and he's giving it, and it, the, the title is Jesus for You, and I want him to dress up like Mr. Cooper. <laughs> Hanging out with Mr. Hooper. Hooper is the, it's the Greek word for you. Yeah, all, right, all right, never mind, this is terrible. All right, was there, there was uh, any, uh, there was another, was there a hand up or something? Maybe not. Yeah, Donna. Yeah. Uh, uh, right. I think that's in reference to the Eucharist. That, you know, in order to benefit from the Eucharist, we have to feel like we have sinned. Even that we're forgiven, but it's our sin. Yeah, right. Yeah, confession of sins. Probably. Oh, yeah. Should you remember or should you forget? Yeah, I said, so, you know, should we forget our sins? Well, I don't think it actually, you should necessarily forget forget your sins. You should, yeah, you forgive them. Did I miss? I, forgetting sins is a difficult thing. God says, and uh, you know, says that He'll take your sins and you know, not remember them no more. Well, that's an act. So, so this is a this is kind of a this is a total nerd thing, but it's important. <laughs> There's a distinction between remembering no more and forgetting. I know you might think there's no difference, but there is. Remembering no more is an active is an act is an act. Forgetting is what? It's passive. So when God remembers no more, he does it intentionally. When you you know, this is I mean this is the thing. So ask any wife whose husband's forgotten anniversary. Does that man, so when he says, oh, honey, I forgot, what does she think of him? He's a jamoke. He, 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 he did not remember on purpose. And that's why you're angry. Because if he really forgot, oh, it just happened. And so you can't be mad at him. But of course you're mad at him. Because what in the world? Yeah, so he had to try to not remember. As a man, it's true, and to be honest, I, you know what, here's the thing, I, I, I don't think I've ever forgotten my anniversary, but I sure remembered a li- little too late. <laughs> so, it happens, and so, so that's the big difference between forgetting and remembering, I mean, thank goodness that God, it's the opposite with God, of course, when he does not remember actively, it's for our benefit, he, so he remember. so I always, there's a guy, uh, Mirzlov, Mirzlov Wolf, Wolf or something. I can't remember how to say his last name. He wrote a nice little book about remembering rightly. That's how he likes to talk about forgiveness, is that when you are forgiven, you remember rightly. Meaning that you remember Christ's words to you and that you remember the person that sinned against you rightly, meaning that they are forgiven and that they have uh, and, and that you have forgiven them. So you remember them as God sees them. And so it's not like you don't, you, you, you know, you, it's not like you always forget, or you, you remember no, you remember no more their sin, but you no longer hold it against them. Which means then that you you create a safe environment, not only for you, but for them. So, I mean, think about it this way. Um, if uh, if if I have a uh, 
Well, this is, is simple. Uh, it's, it's, uh, a friend of mine who had, um, you know, just who's not a good friend. You know, lies, says bad things about me. Uh, I can forgive them, and I will forgive them. But my relationship will not be the same anymore because if I enter into the same relationship, that will provide opportunity for my friend to sin and it will put myself in a position to be sinned against. So our relationship changes, but at the same time, it is not broken. There's reconciliation, but it has changed. And of course, that is precisely how our relationship with Christ happens in the resurrection, when Mary says to Jesus, you know, when Mary tries to hug Jesus, and he says, don't touch me. Things aren't quite, things are still changing. We're not quite ready yet to be in our relationship. And, it, and, and so your relationship changes with Christ. Which also explains the ascension. If, if it was exactly the same, where would Jesus be? He would be here, he wouldn't be in heaven. But, it's, but he goes to heaven for us, though, so that he sends the Holy Spirit. Those are all good things. So it's okay when someone sins against you, you reconcile and you don't have the same relationship. It happens between husbands and wives where you reconcile with one another and your, your marriage changes. Oftentimes people will say, hopefully for the better. But it just might change. But you're st- I mean, you're still reconciled. You're still together. So, um, there you go. So, yes, about remembering. There's questions over here. Holly. It was a question, but a simplistic Yes. Yeah, right. Hurt themselves more. And I feel like to remember what we came from sure. is only just helps us to move forward. Remembering what burns us and stay away from That's right. Not to dwell on it. Yeah, right. That's great. Julie, you had your hand raised too. We're totally switching subjects. It's okay because we haven't, you know, it's normal. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. I, you know, I, that's the way I felt. So I was wondering if anyone was going to bring that up. That's right, that's right. Yeah, he switches it, he switches it up, doesn't he? Fascinating. He should have stopped, stopped on that just before that, shouldn't he have? Yeah, that's why I didn't even put it in my outline. Um, yeah, did you guys notice that? So he, he talks about how Christ, the, the crucifixion kind of reorders things accordingly. But he picks random things. I, I, I basically, I wrote in my notes... He ends the book in a way so that he can end with Mary, basically. It's not really the train of thought. He's like, 
of all the things that are ramifications of this, this point, I want to get to here, so I'm just going to boom, 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 boom. And uh, yeah, that, so I really was kind of bummed out. Again, I felt, hey, fascinating stories, which I, I actually didn't even know those stories about the, uh, the martyrs from the French Revolution. I thought that was amazing. Wow, wonderful. But again, he was trying to get to some point that I didn't feel like was organically out of the, the text itself. You're right, Julie. I'll try not to say any more because I feel like it's, I just feel be harping on them a little bit too much. But, so I'm going to remember those stories, though, like in isolation, though. It is amazing, though, right? Like, I mean, that these women could do what they did. Yeah. And, and it, it, the other thing, too, is, right, the French Revolution, I mean, this is all part of modern society. I mean, it's kind of like, eesh. Modern society doesn't have this great history, does it? Yeah. It's not, it, this is during the Enlightenment, you know, times of Enlightenment. But All right. That's a side note. But yes, Julie, thank you for bringing it up and acknowledging it. I agree wholeheartedly. Anyone else? I mean, I'm willing to debate it, though, if anybody wants to talk about it. I just felt like it was completely out of, out of left field. Krista. Yeah, right. And he, he took offense that um, he's uh, talking about marriage. And he said, what does he know about marriage? Yes, no, that's right. So, yeah, he lists the seven sacraments and kind of how they relate to the point that he was making. That's right. There's always a question about those who are, are single and understanding marriage fully. But, you know, he's speaking theologically, so, you know. He does have he does have marital relations. That's right. Everyone, yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's not that's a complete tangent. But the idea of how our relationship within the church mimics, you know, kind of what we would say is marriage, is all. I mean, that's always true. You know, I'm a wife, right? Because I'm part of the bride of Christ, right? Because I'm part of the church, right? I'm not a wife though, because you know, I'm a husband. <laughs> So, so those are aspects in our Christian life. Again, let's not... We, if anybody quotes just that last little part, you're taking it out of context. So, <laughs> Donna, what were you going to say? I agree. I was really saddened by the ending of this because um, I, I don't think that the focus, the emphasis, is not the church or the sacrament. Well, Donna, you got to hang on there. Yeah, because who? What, what's the sacraments about? Who, who, who are they about? That's right. So you got to love the sacraments. In fact, that those are the places where you meet Jesus. So you, you don't want to downplay the sacraments, Donna. Sure. Well, yeah, okay. So hang on, though. This is, I'm going to bring this up, but we only got just a few minutes. So I'm going to... God's word was given to who? 
Okay, so, and in fact, I think, uh, what, he said, did I quote this? Uh, where he says it's the role of the church and, and her pastors. Yeah, top of the second page. Everything that's needed for us to acquire the redemption won by Christ on the cross exists. Which I thought was really cool about how he, he kind of plays off it is finished, what that means. What remains for us, for the church, and then especially for him as a pastor, is to ensure that all human persons discover the sacramental mysticism uh, he defines what that is. I was almost trying to... That makes us and keeps us friends of God. The, the point... The, see, this is something where I think is really important for us to realize is that Jesus makes promises to us in, 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 in locations. God is located places. The loca- this is a Norman Nagel, which probably Pastor Brzezik has said many times. The locatedness of God. In the, it's, it's part of the Bible. So, I mean, I'm going to call me crazy again. I'm going to quote Jesus in the Bible here. But in the Old Testament, where, did you, where was God for you? In the temple. That's right, a location. That's why in Isaiah, the kind of the heavenly picture is all nations going where? To Zion, to this place. Now, in the New Testament, though, Jesus says this place, the presence of God, now is going to go where? Into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But where is he going is in his word, as Lutherans would say, word and sacrament. Um, Those are the places where they are for you. But that, that, that word of God is precisely within the church. So, St. Cyprian, the African uh, Bishop said, there's no salvation outside the church. And that's true. That is true. Now, everyone will think, does that mean I have to be a member of the church? Uh, no, that's not what I'm saying. But you should be, because you're a Christian. So, yeah, so, Donna, I understand what you're saying, but I actually want to, I want to just kind of bang, I'm going to bang on the drum, because... When you are in doubt, you need to find. You need to run to a place. You can't stay at home with your own thoughts. Well, yeah, by the Holy Spirit. Well, that's yeah, that's something different, but. See, what people have used, Donna, is an excuse that I don't need to go to church to experience God. I would say, well, that's true, but you're not experiencing the one true God. You're experiencing an idol. Hate to break it to you. Um, because the one true God, the, well, the God of the Bible, uh, says, this is where I am for you. Right here. Don't go any other place. You know, it's the, tip, it's the typical, uh, what's his name? Looking for love in all the wrong place. I always think of Eddie Murphy and his impersonation of Buckwheat uh, from Saturday Night Live. But uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, well, whatever. Um, we're always looking for God in all the wrong places. He tells us where he's going to be, and that's where we should go. Now, again, you've got to put up with a bunch of damn sinners, 
and a bunch of jerks and mean people. Maybe one of them is you. I don't know. <laughs> but as, as Bobby said, you got to put up with yourself sometimes too, which is probably the hardest. I mean, for me, that's one of the hardest things. Um, is that so? You go to. You, that's why. I mean, this is where. Without the sacraments, church is simply a, 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 an association of like-minded people. It's a club. Um, you know, and I, I, I don't, I, I just, that's not helpful for me. I, wa- I want the God who's there for me to tell me, yeah, I'm a sinner, but guess what? He's precisely here because I'm a sinner. Yeah, I, well, I love the church. It's good to have a pastor who loves the church, I think. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I understand what you're saying, Donna. I just, um, uh, I, I, I think we should just get away from talking that way because there's too, there's too many people who use it as an excuse to be away from the church and the sacraments and stay home with their Bibles. I just, it's not helpful. Holly. Right. He's now the, Jesus is now the new temple. Right. Where we receive, you know, the, the showbread and the. Yeah, right. Yes, right. The presence, yeah, the Shekinah. So if. That's Hebrew. Where else would you get that sacrament if you weren't in the church? Where well, you won't. That's the, yeah. That's the point I'm making. Yeah. Oh. I mean. That's right. You yeah. You can't separate. Well, right, but you know, for, for people who, who don't don't uh, understand the sacraments or don't don't fit highly, you know, just don't care about them, you know, they always they always kind of use God's word again uh, over and against the sacraments, but that's wrong because the sacraments deliver God's word and God's presence and Jesus Himself. I mean, this is I mean, this is, yes, it is. Cr- it's crazy to think about because it's it looks like it's just water. It looks like it's a cracker and a little bit of wine. But we don't look at it that way. Because you could say the thing about the words, I mean, it's the thing about preaching. It's just human words. It's some dude speaking. But we don't say that. It's God speaking. You know, we don't say that about baptism. I know, and I, th- I think we should, you should stop thinking that way. That's what I'm trying. I'm, I'm like giving it the old... Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, he's definitely in the church. And, and the, the, yeah, so excommunication, right? Yeah. And so the churches don't emphasize him in a sense. What was emphasizing that he was, so he was no longer a part of the church? Well, yes, I mean, I understand what you're saying. He wasn't part of the Roman church. Yeah, right. Um, the the problem is though is that you'd have to also apply that to the Eastern Orthodox from 1066 on and, and you know and that's that's so you get into a lot of complications. I just I, I think it's a distinction that's not helpful, and and I don't think anybody makes that distinction. I mean, some people will say, yeah, well, like from Vatican II, speaking of the Roman Catholics, they will they will consider what is it, um, departed brethren or something like that. They have a phrase for other Christians. Um, and, and even for them too, though they'll say for certainty, right? For one certainty, you need to enter into the church. I mean, they, yes, they mean the Roman Catholic Church. But at one level, I agree. Yeah, for certainty of of one's salvation and place in life, you have to enter into the church, not necessarily the Roman Catholic Church. But 
You got you got to go to the place where God's God says to go. Um, we need to end. We need to pray. But anybody wants to hang out afterwards, I don't mind talking about it. I love talking about it. Uh, Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. By the way, we're going to, our next after Easter, April 10th, I think is when we start. Because April 3rd, wait. Whatever the Friday, well, so next week is Holy Week, we're not meeting. The following week is spring break for a lot of us. So we're not meeting that, so there would be the following Friday, which is... Okay, whatever that Friday is, April 8th. Is that, is, is that three weeks? Okay, there we go. Yeah, April 3rd is, yeah, that's right, April 3rd is a Sunday. Never mind. April 8th. We're going to start April 8th. Um, and we're going to do something kind of unusual. We're actually going to study the Apocrypha. But a, a, a subtext will be the, the Bible. So, uh, meaning, you know, so this will be, well, first of all, if you don't know what the Apocrypha is, you've got to come and find out. Yeah, uh, Pastor Bukes and I were kind of looking forward to doing that. So it'll be, it'll be a, a something about the Apocrypha, but it'll also be how we understand Scripture as Lutherans and kind of the, the distinctive understanding. So April 8th, be there, be square.